0: Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the Abundant Wellness Podcast. We have the immense privilege of having Michelle Moore here, a licensed mental health counselor and neurofeedback practitioner. And we're gonna be talking all about postpartum today, um, postpartum mental health, that, um, that postpartum experience. We're gonna be sharing a little bit of our own personal experiences here and just different modalities that we can lean into. Um, if that's the season that you're walking through in postpartum. So welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much for being on with me today.
1: Awesome, Andrea. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's exciting.
0: Yeah, it, it is exciting. It's, it's fun to reconnect. For those of you that mm-hmm. are listening, uh, Michelle and I were besties in high school. We yep. did competitive <laughs> choir for a long time, mm-hmm. um, ended up moving about five minutes away from each other after yeah. to college <laughs> in separate states. And so, just fun to reconnect and, um, talk about some similarities in life. So Um, I would love for you to share a little bit about you, uh, what you do, who you are, and then we'll kind of dive into postpartum. Um,
1: so I am a mom of three. My oldest is seven and my youngest is eight months actually coming up on nine months really soon. So probably need to get used to saying nine months here. Nine months,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, my middle son is two and a half years old. He was our COVID baby. So um happily married to Joshua Moore, who's been on the podcast with you. He's also a licensed mental health counselor and uh does neurofeedback and brain mapping, and is why I got into neurofeedback specifically. Um, so that's a little bit about me. What What else was it you asked?
0: <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, yeah, about about what you do. So you do yeah. neurofeedback in conjunction mm-hmm. with, um, with therapy counseling. Do you also do EMDR? I feel like I remember. Yeah, I
1: have EMDR training. Okay. It's something that I like to use, um, you know, when I have someone who's coming to me for something big you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. trauma that has trauma in their story. And if we aren't able to get it, get at it through neurofeedback or other things, and it still needs to be dealt with. And then we utilize that. And it can be extremely powerful. It's really awesome.
0: Absolutely. No, you've got, you've got a lot of tools in your belt. So I, I think that's amazing. And, you know, one of the things I never considered when I was going through postpartum before it kind of occurred to me, like what I'm experiencing postpartum is not just the physiologic changes of having a baby. Mm -hmm. It's not just the demand, new demands of motherhood, but also this collective experience of former experiences that I had not dealt with yet. Right. Mm -hmm. Is that, do you see that a lot in postpartum? Do you see that kind of like an awareness in the mother that maybe like there are things in her past that are now coming up because of Mm -hmm. postpartum and it's kind of fresh on the surface.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I do think so. Um, We're, as I understand it, we're just more sensitive to emotional things during that time. So if we have undealt with trauma or just undealt with stuff in our story, Those are just closer to the surface and a lot easier to access during that time. So if you struggle with depression before postpartum, you have a higher chance of struggling with postpartum depression. You struggle with anxiety before you have a higher chance of struggling with anxiety after having a baby and, and yeah, any other category of mental health as well. Uh, so yeah, if we have stuff in our story, we're more likely to have it kind of show up in our face during the postpartum period.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I know, I know that was the case for me for sure. I was like, wow, I am super caught off guard. I don't know why I was caught off guard. Now I look back and I'm like, well, that all makes total sense that that Mm would have been the, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back, like from a proverbial sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it can still be shocking, even if you're yeah. prepared for it. Yeah. like yeah. I was totally prepared for like my husband and I had a game plan with my second. We knew the rodeo. We had some really good discussions about for him to observe in me, like if I wasn't mm-hmm. fully aware of how I was actually right. doing and I had right. no postpartum issues with my second. So we were like fully prepared <laughs> and I had a totally different experience, which I'm <laughs> very thankful for. Yeah. Um, but I think even when you, you've walked it before, it doesn't make it less challenging to go through it again. And so, right. you know, if you have that subsequent pregnancies because it's mm-hmm. still extremely uncomfortable. So would mm-hmm. you share with us a little bit about your postpartum experience, whatever you're comfortable yeah. with on this? Yeah, time I'm sharing.
1: Sure. So like I said, I have three kiddos. Um, after my first, my daughter, Delia, I was, I experienced some depression and some anxiety. It wasn't at an, extreme level at least as I remember it now <laughs> uh, wasn't at an extreme level where I felt like I needed to seek out support or help maybe some of that was also my ignorance of the fact that I could find help I was a, I was a licensed mental health therapist and neurofeedback practitioner at the time yeah. so you know I should have had some awareness that I could reach out for help but I think there was also this like I'm the provider so why would I be struggling? Where would yeah. I go for help? I think I can handle this with all the tools I know, um, and I I muddled through it. We were going through a lot of stressful things at the time too, which probably also made me think, well, this isn't this isn't postpartum. This is the this other, is other stuff. Thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and things were sometimes not great, sometimes okay, and then pretty much when we stopped nursing, which was for her right around two years um, things cleared up and things were okay, which has tended to be my pattern. Okay. <laughs> i just, you know, two years, that's a long time to be struggling. It it's not is. fun. Um, cool. but yeah, so we had, um, some miscarriages in between Delia and my son Jude. And so there's a decent gap in between them. And so we were just really excited to be pregnant again. And it it happened to coincide with all the craziness of COVID. In fact, we found out we were pregnant the same week that there were lockdowns in our state in March of 2020. (laughs) That's wild. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it was. It was crazy. I'm like, I'm not sure if I can do all of this on top of, and, you know, at the time We were unsure of how severe COVID was going to be in my mind. I was like, it's possible that people I know and love are going to die. Right. There's no way to
0: (laughs) predict anything at that. I don't think anybody knew what anything was going to look like. Exactly.
1: And I just remember thinking, God, what are you thinking bringing a baby into this crazy new world that might be so very different than what I've known to this date so far. Right. Um, and I did experience something that I don't think people talk about as much when we talk about postpartum. We talk about postpartum. Um, but there's, it's kind of a category uh, perinatal, meaning the entire portion of a woman's life when they're trying to get pregnant or pregnant after. Right. After pregnancy, right. <laughs> nursing and like that whole category of someone's, a woman's life. And, um, I started getting some panic, which I'm sure was brought on partly because of all the COVID stress and right. hormones and whatnot. Uh, but that was kind of my first clue that things weren't going to be so easy. <laughs> this time around. Around. Yeah. And his, uh, um, his. I didn't it wasn't so bad during pregnancy definitely more so after but there were still some signs of mental health and I sought out a um a therapist at that time which was I'm really glad I chose to do that um it was a program through my where I was giving birth which was a birthing clinic it's actually now closed which is kind of sad um (laughs) um in Portland but There's one now here in Vancouver that has since opened and is awesome. I think, oh, I wish I could remember what's called Bridge City. Something oh, like Bridge, Bridge,
0: um, Bridge, Bridge. Yeah. Bridge yes. something. Well, mm-hmm. I can find it and link it in the comments, but I yeah. know what you're talking
1: about. Yeah. But they provided uh, mental health services. And so I was wow. like, you know what? If I'm struggling at all, I want to, just like you were saying, have a game plan, try and set myself up for success. Um And so that was a a really glad I chose to do that. Um, but yeah, afterwards was really hard. And what was really hard about it for me was, um, some days I was fine. I Mm -hmm. felt like myself. I felt normal Mm -hmm. and nothing seemed really to be triggering anything. So I couldn't predict when I would not have a good day, when it would be an off day for me, mostly I struggled with postpartum anxiety during this, uh, postpartum period. Um, I, there were some days where I would feel depressed and sad, but it was mostly a lot of anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, and it just, you know, was generalized, came from nowhere. (laughs) It wasn't about a specific thing, but, but I did also struggle with some of the, um, racing thoughts. And um, what are those called? My brain is intrusive, intrusive,
0: intrusive thoughts. Thought. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Intrusive thoughts that were like, what if my husband dies? And then I would just spin out and put get out of, that of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: They like yeah. hit you out of left field. They're the worst.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They are. Especially when they get stuck, which oftentimes they do. They cannot you, right. you just can't let it go. And it's like, oh, why am I why am I thinking about this? I wanna go somewhere else and, and just right. can't. And it's really hard. And um, now I'm again in a postpartum period of my life. And it's somewhat similar, to be honest. Um, there are days that are great where I feel normal, oftentimes that happens to, mm, it's pretty unpredictable. I wanted to say the weekends are tend to be better. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And sometimes they are, and sometimes they aren't. (laughs) Um, Right. So yeah, it's pretty unpredictable. But what I have found and what we found with um, after Jude was, well, even after Delia, was neurofeedback it has been the most effective thing for me um in helping regulate my nervous system and kind of get me from this wonky state of thinking which is yep. the only way I can describe it it's really hard people who haven't it is hard to
0: explain it, mm-hmm. to
1: explain it to them or help them have some understanding of what it feels like Mm because there's this part of you that knows okay this isn't real or this isn't my normal state and then there's other part that's just like stuck in this like it's just wonky yeah Yeah.
0: (laughs) it's wonky that's a great way to describe it it feels almost like it reminds me of at least for me and maybe this is true for you but it reminds me of you know those like um when you go to uh, like, not a, like, like a circus and they have those w- weird mirrors where everything mm-hmm. feels a little bit distorted and off and you yes. lose your perspective. Like yeah. if, you, if you're looking at all the mirrors in the room, all of a sudden mm-hmm. you don't feel grounded. You're mm-hmm. not sure where you even came into the room mm-hmm. and everything feels like you're aware of reality. It's not like a dissociation from reality, but it, right, it is right. a, I can't find my footing. Like I can't, mm-hmm. and I don't know where mm-hmm. I lost my footing. Like right. that's, to me, what that felt like was yeah. just like I don't mm-hmm. even know how I how to get back to. I know I'm in here somewhere, but like mm-hmm. I don't know how to get back yes. to her. You know, yeah. so I don't know if that's maybe a a good way to describe it. But for that's me, that's a good way
1: to describe it for me. That feels very relatable. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to, well, you kind of touched on this a little bit before we started recording. And I think this is a good thing to talk about because postpartum can happen to anybody. We know that there are some people that have, you know, like you talked about, if you have a history of depression or anxiety, there's an increased risk for that. And we Mm -hmm. know that that's the case. That doesn't necessarily mean you'll have a horrible postpartum experience, Mm -hmm. but it does mean that there maybe are some susceptibilities towards mm-hmm. this being difficult. Mm-hmm. And I think because anybody can experience this, whether you are like, I'm a nurse, I should know, right? Mm-hmm. I should mm-hmm. know there's that whole conversation. Right, right. How do you, how did you for yourself, like, cause you you mentioned this, like, I should know, like I'm a mental health provider. I shouldn't be struggling. I think that's very mm-hmm. common, whether or not we're yeah. in the field, quote unquote, or not.
1: Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm.
0: how, how, what are some ways that we can take the shame out of it and just recognize that we're just human Yeah, as <laughs> we're just human? Like we need to find some of the, like, how would you, how did you kind of work through some of that?
1: So, um, one of my favorite concepts, uh, in mental health is, um, self-compassion. Uh, mm-hmm. Kristen Neff, I think that's how you say her name, is one of the like leading researchers in that field, and she has an amazing TED Talk about self-compassion. Uh, I share it oftentimes with my clients, and I love watching it each and every time because it just reminds me about the idea that I need to provide myself some self-love and and some compassion mm-hmm. when I'm going through hard times. And instead of berating myself and saying, oh my gosh, you shouldn't be dealing with this because you're a practitioner and you're supposed to be a helper and have it all together. Um, You allowing myself to be human. And that's another key piece of self-compassion is the, um, the relatability (laughs) in our humanness (laughs) that we're not perfect. And we can all as humans relate to the fact that we're not perfect. Right. And so I try and remind myself of that in those times when I'm feeling shame or I'm feeling why, why am I struggling? Or um, I shouldn't be, or I should have known better. Um, And that's what that circles me back to. I'm human. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I am, you know, I have, I have weaknesses and I have uh, strengths and I have things that that I can hurt into.
0: Right. That I got to work exactly. through as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think to yeah. a certain degree, it actually helps us to be better at what we do. It helps us uh, to be. Agreed. Yeah. For me, like I went through this last, what I, I w- what I went through something similar this last year it wasn't postpartum, but I would equate it in intensity to what it was like walking through mm. postpartum. I had COVID. Mm-hmm. And then my, uh, I started to notice some like brain fog kind Mm -hmm. of creeping in, didn't Mm -hmm. totally feel like myself. Um, my iron like completely bottomed out. Mm -hmm. And then that led to like massive increase in anxiety and panic Mm -hmm. and, um, very similar. Like it literally felt so similar to, to postpartum that I was like, what is happening to me? And, mm-hmm. but having worked through that and having, you know, had to really dig into my resources and like, what's going mm-hmm. on in my body, how am I going to recover from this? You know, like, what do I need to recover? Because I've walked through something similar, but this is different. Like the factors are different. Mm-hmm. Um, it's enabled me to stay in a place of so much more compassion mm-hmm. for the women that I mm-hmm. work with. They're like, I'm mm-hmm. dealing with. X, Y, and Z, and I don't know how to get out of it. And we're able; it does inform our work, I think, in a different kind of way. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a therapist, um, but I do. When I'm working with women's hormones, I I do have the you know they have my ear, and so I'm huh. very much yeah. in an intimate space with them. With mm-hmm. that, um, so in a lot of ways, it does help us. I think to be able to really sit with people where they're at and yeah. empathize and yeah. show some humanity mm-hmm. um and to be able to offer some of that truth right which is that nobody deserves like nobody deserves this mm-hmm. like nobody
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know what i mean nobody asks for this i don't know mm-hmm. anybody that's saying they're like gosh i really hope i have a horrible postpartum
1: experience exactly. no <laughs> and
0: but at the same time i think as you know when you're in that place as a practitioner there is kind of another layer of vulnerability because you want to be able to go and work with somebody that maybe isn't going to view you as a, as a practitioner is just going to view you as Michelle. Right. Mm -hmm. Or in my case, Andrea, like I just Mm -hmm. needed somebody to not look at me through the lens of all of my credentials and all of my, the things I do well, and just Mm -hmm. be able to look at me through, this is how she's presenting right now. And how Mm -hmm. are we going to help her develop new resilience. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, how did that experience impact your faith mm. and vice versa? I would love to hear, just have some yeah. like, dialogue about it. Cause it is really hard.
1: Um, it impacted in a huge way, to be honest, uh, both good and really challenging. But I think because it was challenging, that's why it ended up being a good, positive thing. Um, I... Some of my intrusive thoughts with both Jude's postpartum, my second, and then Ezra, my current baby, um, have been around faith-related things. Mm -hmm. What if what I believe isn't real?
0: What if I, you know,
1: what if my reality is not real. yeah. Is what, what I was, um, kept, kept popping up in my brain. And it was just, it was actually a very terrifying thought Mm -hmm. to believe to consider, you know, what if Jesus didn't come to earth? What if he didn't die on the cross? What if God Mm -hmm. isn't a loving God? What if he hates me? What if (laughs) some of those kinds of thoughts were really coming up and, and, Um, challenging me and my faith. Um, And also like, how do I want to be a good parent in sharing my faith with my kids? How do I raise my children um, in a a godly home, hoping that they come to know the God that I know. Um, So yeah, there was a lot of difficulty there and some of the things that I found really comforting <laughs> which I never thought I've always struggled with reading so okay. that then has passed on to struggled reading the bible mm-hmm. out of all the spiritual disciplines that's been the one that I'm like Ugh, I don't want to do that yeah. like I'll yeah. sit through a sermon and and my pastor can read a scripture to me and I have a lot of scriptures memorized and I'll meditate on those. And, right. um, but to sit down and really dig into scripture, I did that in my undergrad for, mm-hmm. like I said, I went to a, uh, a Christian university and I had to do a lot of exegesis in, in my Bible classes. And so that right. was great, but, but there've been, uh, large periods of my life where I didn't really dig into scripture a lot or read right. a lot. Um, so more recently I realized okay I need to actually I posted online uh, you might have even been someone who commented I don't know but um <laughs> I was going through one of these challenging periods and was just like you know I need to dig into reading but for me it's always an audiobook yeah. I need to find some audiobooks that can help encourage my faith and keep me mm. grounded in what reality is when it comes to scripture, when it comes yeah. to faith. And so I made a post online, just like, Hey, what are some of the more profound books that you have read that, um, really challenged, but strengthened your faith?" faith. And a lot of people posted. Um, mm. but I had a friend who posted, and I don't remember exactly what he said, but it was something short and simple to the fact, to the point of, you know, it's always good to go back to the source. All these extra books are probably great, but the Bible is is where you're going to get your strength and your faith. And I was very yeah. convicted by that and almost a little angry. <laughs> sure. But, right. <laughs> but just because I've had such a challenge with actually doing that. Like, I don't, yeah. argh, I don't have a way of doing that. This easily. is hard. Yeah. This is hard. <laughs> exactly. And then I realized, you know what? It's, you know, there are, there's a lot of technology nowadays. And I know there are Bible apps. Several years ago, I had looked into Bible apps and I just didn't find one that clicked with me. But I'm like, I bet I could find one now that I would appreciate that would fit my learning right. still a lot better so I looked and I searched and I found one that I really like it's called dwell you do have to pay for it if that's something that you decide you want to you there's a free version but it doesn't okay. give you the entire bible right. so I do um and so I've been listening to the bible through audio pretty much daily uh since Maybe. then and it's been a huge source of comfort for me Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and helping me see God's love through the scriptures and understanding um, more in depth, different concepts just by being in the Bible. So that, yeah, that's one of the things, but also more recently um, the book by Oh, Timothy Keller Mm. called Walking with God through Pain and Suffering. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) That's the title. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, when, when you're going through postpartum and if you're dealing with any form of anxiety or any form of depression, man, those things really are pain and suffering.
0: They are. Absolutely. Um,
1: (laughs) And some of the concepts in those book that book was really powerful and just saying, um, you know, pain is hard, suffering is so hard, and God is right there alongside us. Mm-hmm. And that again, super helpful. So that's one oh, of my right. new favorite books. <laughs> that's amazing.
0: To... Because <laughs> well it's interesting that you say that because I, I was going to talk just for a second about how suffering does, you know, when you're walking through it and you do feel like everything is wonky and weird and you've lost your grid and you don't know how to get back to it. Right. Mm -hmm. It it has a way. And I think partly because the Western like evangelical church doesn't do a great job of talking about suffering on a regular Uh, enough basis uh, mm -hmm. that we, you know, most of us are looking from, for relief from our suffering Mm -hmm. through our faith, not recognizing that God, I mean, you read the Bible and it's like suffering everywhere. You know what I mean? Like everybody went through it. (laughs) Everybody went through it. You know, I was talking to my husband about how, like, we read the story of Joseph and we read chapter, it's like chapter one, chapter two, there's like two chapters, right? Mm -hmm. But it span how many years of his life did he actually have to endure suffering? Like 17, I think before yeah. he actually got like released. Right. And and yet we are not doing a great job. And I don't mean this with any judgment, but I, I'm saying this, you know, as somebody who's walked through a lot of stuff that I think we could do a much better job of helping people to understand that suffering, what is it? The The presence of pain does not equal the absence of God. Right. The presence of suffering does not equal the absence of God. And most of my like profound encounters with the Lord have happened Mm -hmm. in a place Mm -hmm.
1: of suffering. Agreed.
0: They have mm-hmm. not been like on these glorious. I mean, I love the mountaintops. Those are awesome. Right. Like, Praise God for those, uh-huh. right? It's like a breath we of fresh them. air when you need we it
1: need from time to time.
0: Yeah, we do. It's uh-huh. like, I need, I need the windows to open so I can breathe here a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's like, we get to lean into a part of his nature and character that we don't really get access to at any yeah. other time. It's true. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that God ordains our suffering. I don't believe that. Personally, mm-hmm. I don't believe that, you know, God is out here rationing out pain right. and suffering and depression yeah. and anxiety. We know mm-hmm. that's not that's not who he is. But I think, think if we cut ourselves off from it in that moment and we start to think I can only experience God when I'm happy, when I'm mm-hmm. joyful, mm-hmm. when I'm whatever, that's not biblical, number right. one. And number two, we're actually cutting ourselves off from the source mm-hmm. that's going to help us get through this really dark, scary thing yeah. that we're walking through Um, and recognizing that God has other people that he wants to bring as part of our story, you know, as part of our healing. And mm-hmm. I think this is a good segue of talking about like, how can counseling help some, I mean, I want to talk about EMDR and neurofeedback too, but I think, how in your perspective, because you're on the other side of the chair, you've been in the chair, you've been on the other side of the chair, right? Both I have, yes. Which <laughs> are beneficial. Um, how does counseling help with when you're walking through postpartum, like how, what kind of tools do you kind of help work people through talk therapy can be very beneficial as kind of a, you know, opening the door to some of those things. So, um, in your perspective, how is that helpful?
1: Um, uh, it it can be really helpful. It can be helpful in recognizing you're not alone. It can be helpful in, um, because that's one of the things that that I share with people who are struggling during that, this time is, you know, it's, I, I think there've been a few different statistics, but one in five and then one in three are the mm-hmm. numbers that I've heard of um, women who deal with postpartum yeah. mental health. And so one in three, if it—if it's that, which oftentimes we do under report versus right. over report in statistics. It's probably higher. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, that means there's many other women who are struggling alongside you during right. that time or who have gone through it during their own um, postpartum periods and um, <laughs> that can be <laughs> a little daunting, but also um, comforting to know you're not alone and right. to know, you know, talk with your mom, talk with your sister, talk with a good friend. You might find that you can relate. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but also, counseling, you know, it can be helpful on some of the stuff that comes up, like we had talked before, our story come is more close to the surface. Yes. Um, there might be stuff that comes up, stuff that was in your story, you know, in your childhood that's coming up during your postpartum that we need to address and talk about. And you need to realize as an adult and see it from an adult perspective and realize, okay, I was a child. That was unfair. Or I was a kid and I didn't have any control over that or, you know, right. whatever new perspective you need to have on your childhood. Um, and sometimes that's really important to go there and to, to look at those things. Um, but also sometimes we talk about, you know, oftentimes women will, will feel overwhelmed by all of the tasks that they are responsible Absolutely. for. Absolutely, <laughs> yep. And so we just talk about, okay, how can we simplify this for you? Are there areas that you can just like I don't need help. I don't need. Sorry, I don't need a clean house right now. At this period in my life, it's just going to be messy. How do we come to grips with that? How can we be sleep and eat? Yeah, (laughs) the two things. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, And there are some great resources in helping women come to grips with that. But you know, having having a counselor walk alongside you through that period can be really powerful and really helpful. And it it happened for me. Um, I talked about, you know, going to counseling during um, while I was pregnant with Jude, but I also um, sought therapy from someone who I, my therapist in high school um, when I dealt with some stuff during that time. And then um, again, after postpartum period, uh, worked with her for what was coming up during that time too. And it was really, really helpful. We did some EMDR and I found that to be really useful as well. Um,
0: Absolutely. No, it's it's so good. And I think, you know, for me, for my personal experience, you touched on this too, but um having somebody to like, you know, because your thoughts, they're not your thoughts. Like they're not entirely within your control <laughs> during that time. They're mm-hmm. largely driven, you know, by hormones, lack of sleep, um, mm-hmm. whatever lack of support that you're, you're not getting that can also add into it as well. Right. Um, and so it's really helpful to kind of use that space to process through some of that. And and then it can be challenged, right. Where they can mm-hmm. challenge a new perspective or mm-hmm. challenge mm-hmm. a new thought of like, Hey, did you ever consider that maybe you're not failing? And maybe this is just Right. Really like,
1: exactly,
0: and all of a sudden <laughs> you're like, really hard. No, why am I having a hard time acknowledging that this is hard? Like, and then you can, yeah. you can kind of dig into some of those larger, maybe more, you know, more of a growth mindset. I think within that, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. for me, EMDR was also really helpful because I had some stuck, like very sticky traumas that were just kind of mm-hmm. there. Um, mm-hmm. that I, for me, um, I don't I actually don't think it was my first counselor, that reckon, I think I figured this out somehow on my own because my counselor wasn't trained in EMDR at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and I I was like, gosh, I'm having some like, very, like, I can't think my way out of this. If that Mm -hmm. makes sense, I can't, Mm -hmm. I can't apply a better thought to it. It's still just there. It's still just stuck. So Mm -hmm. for you as a practitioner, what are some ways that you can identify that? Uh, when somebody's in the room, you know, you're working with them in counseling and maybe you've started with talk therapy and you're recognizing that there are just some, some things that EMDR can be very useful for. Um, Are there certain clues that kind of help you to know when to use that tool?
1: When to use EMDR?
0: Um, Or is it kind of just a gut knowing because you've been doing it for so long?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think, you know, I think some of it definitely is gut. Um, but also, you know, when, when someone is stuck, when that same thought keeps coming up and keeps coming up and keeps coming up. The other is, you know, when we can identify, okay, that, that's a either big T trauma or little T trauma. Um, when, you know, either I can hear their story and go, oh, I bet that's really significant in their story. Or they can say, this is a really significant part of my story. And oftentimes I'll make note like that might be something we want to do EMDR on and I'll write it in my notes so that we can come back to it later if they're not at a place at that moment to do it, or we already have decided to do something else for that day and we want to plan it for the following week or, you know, another time. Um, So I, yeah, it's, it's collaborative and that's how I tend to be as a um, therapist is fairly collaborative with my clients I tend to want to work with them where they're at and what they're wanting to deal with so sometimes I see something and they're not quite there yet Um, I might bring it to their attention and if they're ready to go there once I've brought it to their attention then we do and then sometimes I bring it to their attention they're not ready and that's okay right Um, Right. EMDR is most effective when that stuff is Hot on the surface. Really? Yeah. When it's naturally coming up. So if I'm the one dragging it out of them, it's not, not going to <laughs> typically be nearly as effective.
0: <laughs> I can imagine that I'm trying, I'm thinking of, you know, most of the times that I've had EMDR, it's been very much like at the surface, mm-hmm, it's kind mm-hmm. of pressing all the buttons. Right. And I'm mm-hmm. like, my, uh, my, Yep. I'm in a space (laughs) where this needs like be dealt with. And that's the beauty of that tool though. I think from just, I'm not a practitioner in that at all, but, um, Mm -hmm. in having utilized it for myself is that it is typically pretty quick and effective when it is at the surface. Right. When it's like, 10 of intensity and I leave at a one, right. And mm-hmm. I have a much better perspective mm-hmm. on what I'm going through. And I have a strength to lean into, you know, as I'm going through it too. So, yeah. mm-hmm. um, so one of the things, and I, I really want to hear your perspective on this because I know from like a biochemical, like physiologic perspective, our brain actually changes in pregnancy and it doesn't mm-hmm. always go back. Right. to where it was. So this whole bounce oh. back to whatever is nonsense because it's not really humanly possible. <laughs> um right. but there are like physiologic and chemical changes that happen in the brain that can uh-huh. lead to feelings of you know panic, anxiety. For me it mm-hmm. was anxiety mm-hmm. and insomnia. Those were two like just typical symptoms for me postpartum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um how does neurofeedback help with that? I know it's very complex, but at the same time it's it very effective. So how would you explain that to somebody?
1: Um, so it is a complex concept because there are many different ways of interacting with the brain and there are many different modalities that are called neurofeedback. Right. Um, some that are considered clinical and some that are not um, non-clinical neurofeedback might be really effective for someone who's dealing with postpartum, Um, but it's not a guarantee. And when it's non-clinical, you don't, it's non-clinical. You don't have a clinician overseeing it. You might have uh, a mom or, you know, someone without any kind of credentials kind of overseeing it. And they they might have less skills to help direct them if it's not going, uh, if it's not helpful or, or, one a term that we use in the field is abreaction. So sometimes we'll um, touch on a soft point, and it kind of explodes. <laughs> mm-hmm. That makes yeah. sense. Um, mm-hmm. And if you're not a clinician, you probably have no idea how to handle that. It's really scary. Oh my gosh, I stepped on a landmine. What yeah. do I do with this person? You don't have the training to take care of that. So yeah. um, when it comes to postpartum, I do recommend people finding someone who has who's a clinician who's doing neurofeedback versus someone who's non-clinical doing neurofeedback. Um, And then also um, for me, there's, there are types of neurofeedback that are um, symptom-based where you, um, you know, you go through all the symptoms that person is experiencing. And we do have a good idea of what parts of the brain are fairly responsible for what types of behaviors. So, um, right. You know our executive functioning and our uh, uh, <laughs> now, my brain's now spacing on where those of course uh, right <laughs> other examples, but yeah. um, <laughs> we follow the symptoms and we know okay where to plot, where to place the electrodes in order to target those symptoms that person is experiencing. Right. That can be a really effective type of neurofeedback. The one that I have been trained in the most is. Um, that style, it's the Othmer method. I love it. Um, when uh, when I postpartum with Delia, that was really effective for getting my brain so regulated and feeling good and um, getting back on track and not dealing with the anxiety or depression that was popping up. And it, I would just right. train myself because I was a practitioner, so I'd stick those right. on my brain when I had a break in, like a no show or, or I just had my schedule. I'd fit myself in. And that's kind of how I helped manage that period of time because I had that tool. I figured, okay, if I do have postpartum after Jude, I've got neurofeedback on board already. Right. Well, like you said, our brain changes and it can change with each pregnancy and it didn't work the second time around. Okay. (laughs) which was horrible my one oh, really that's the worst awesome feeling tool yeah that's the worst feeling that, that I was banking on to get myself regulated and get me back into a good space to be able to continue being a therapist continue being a neurofeedback practitioner wasn't working and I didn't know why well God has amazing timing he's awesome um literally um, I think I had just found out I was praying it no mm-hmm. it had to have been before because we found out we were pregnant and then there was lockdown so right before the lockdowns yeah in in december we had one of josh's mentors in um in neurofeedback we hired her to come out and train our small clinic and a few other people from other local clinics to do what is called brain mapping mm-hmm. She's an awesome trainer and so she just taught us how to hook someone up, how to measure um, where to place all the electrodes. If you're doing it by hand, some people will use these really cool caps. And I think we do more now use those caps. She taught us how to do it the old school real hard way so that you can make it more simple, but know how to do it. Yeah. Um, That's smart. And then, Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and then she helped us to some degree, look at the raw EEG information and see like what's going on in there. So this is a new aspect of neural feedback at that point that we were getting involved in. And Josh is the type of person that wants to help every person and he wants to do it at the highest level possible. Excellent. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And I have, I love that. And I've Mm -hmm. been challenged by him in that. To not settle for eighty percent, but let's strive for ninety five, one 100, percent. Like, yeah, keep going. Um, if if there is one client that we see and we can't figure it out, let's keep problem solving until we can help figure out how to help that yeah. person. Right. Um, so so we were delving into brain mapping, and then the lockdowns, and getting pregnant, and postpartum, and panic coming up, and trying neurofeedback, my old system, and it wasn't working anymore. And Josh had this whole time been intensively learning <laughs> brain mapping
0: mm-hmm. and
1: getting, finding mentors who were excellent in the field, who could train him and help him look at the raw EG to be able to identify, okay, what does this mean about this person's brain and what type of neurofeedback is most effective to help this person? Wow. Um. And right at the same time, my highest tool is not working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we did a brain map on my brain and effectively my brain was med resistant and, mm-hmm. um, which actually I had, had tried, gone on some medication because things were yeah. so hard. I needed yeah. some support. So I right. got into therapy got
0: <laughs> you uh, went got to your
1: t- the tools you know exactly. the tools you know right went yeah went to my naturopath got on a whole bunch of vitamins went to uh got on some medication and it just it wasn't working um so i was a brain that was med resistant and also um the type of neurofeedback that i had been doing before that had worked just wasn't going to be the same type of feedback my brain needed going forward right. so having that brain map allowed me to find a new type of a new protocol right that ended up being really effective and so there have been a few tweaks I've done a few other brain maps along the way to kind of see my progress and right determine okay how, how have things adjusted now <laughs> exactly yeah. to keep um on top of how my nervous system is developing. Right. And that has been really effective, but, um, I just find it fascinating. The timing of it, <laughs> of right. how it, that is amazing. And if any earlier, I wouldn't have had that tool. I wouldn't have had brain mapping to figure out what, how else to support my nervous system. Right.
0: Which, I mean, it's amazing that you can see, med resistance on there, because I think one that would save people so much frustration when they're trying Mm -hmm. to access the supports that are available. And we know that medication is sometimes needed for these things, right? Exactly. There are people like me that have had a lot of side effects from you know, where it's like, this should be working and it's not, and I don't know, I don't know why it's not, it's worked in the past and now it's not working now, but that's because our brains, they and our nervous systems. Like you said, they do change. Mm-hmm. Um, and what worked biochemically 10 years ago, five years ago in your former pregnancy, it may not be the thing that you need. And so, um, so I love that you guys have those tools and that you are helping so many people with it because I think it's, you know, Anytime we can offer hope, I think Mm. to healing, right. Hope to, Hey, this, it might take a while, like it might take some time, but we have something that we know based on X amount of clinical data, right. And all of the, you know, anecdotal studies and all of our own clinical experience and all of the studies that have actually been done on neurofeedback that we can help you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it may be one piece to the puzzle. It might be the whole puzzle. Mm. Mm-hmm. And,
1: right. yeah.
0: and I think that goes into, cause I know we're, we're, I'm, I am over, <laughs> over your time today and you probably need to get back to your family. But I think this leads into, um, the thing that we kind of wanted to touch on, which is really how to find a good practitioner. If you're looking for, maybe we'll just land on like specifically neurofeedback, um, mm-hmm. because that one's kind of, it's newer, I think it's not in everybody's realm of understanding. Right. Um, how would somebody know? Like, cause I've had friends that have done neurofeedback and they're like, it was a mm-hmm. horrible experience. And I've only ever had a good experience with neurofeedback. Mm-hmm. And I really think by the divine hand of God, because both of them were just like the timing of it, like you said, was like, this is uncanny and weird. Like, how did that just land in mm-hmm. my lap, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I think if somebody knows about it and they're wanting to search for it, or they're maybe looking for a therapist you know, in postpartum that does both. Um, How would you know as a person coming in that that person might be a good, solid, like really good practitioner?
1: Yeah. So there are some uh, certifications in the field that help with identifying at least someone who's gone above and beyond to make sure that they've gotten extra Classes under their belt because neurofeedback is actually unregulated in most states, um, and so that means that really anybody can provide neurofeedback. It's a the, bit um, <laughs> it is a <laughs> little, little bit, little frightening. bit. <laughs> at least according to the state anybody can okay. the um, yeah. distributors of of the um, equipment are the ones who kind of regulate, and so okay. many distributors don't allow anyone without a license to to buy it and so okay. that's kind of that's how good. it's regulated so there's some regulation but it's not perfect there are people who get a hold of the equipment and don't have any credentials at all and don't have any training and and that's really dangerous to you know try and work 100%. with someone who, who doesn't have any knowledge of what they're doing um yeah. So finding someone who has uh BCIA certification and, and the credentials for that would be BCN is um, one board step that, yeah. to help, um, yeah, board certified and neurofeedback, I Neuro think, feedback. is what it stands okay. funny for. <laughs> um, so they, uh, they've they since changed some of the the neurofeedback words over to, um, regulation, I think. So oh, okay. ISNR is one of the, uh, conferences, people that put on uh, research and, and in our field. And it used to stand for the N used to be neurofeedback and now it's neuroregulation. So I'm not sure if that's going to be a trend where we're changing sure. that or not, but, um, uh, I think it was just to try and be inclusive of other modalities that also right. are influencing the brain. Um, but anyway, the, the BCN or BCIA is the organization is a um, a good place to start. There are, um, there are practitioners like myself who've been working in the field and don't have that credential. My husband, right. Joshua does. Um, and he's part of my clinic and he, he and I work together. And so I think that gives our clinic a little bit of, uh, um, status. I feel like that's the wrong word. Credibility. Credibility. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Credibility. Um, and I would love to work towards getting that credential, but at the moment being a mom and uh, all the hats that I hold there prevented me from, from doing that so far. Um, Yeah. So that's one place to start, but also asking them, you know, do you have a license? Are you licensed? Um, Asking them how many modalities do you, do you use? If they only use one, that one might be great, but I, as an individual tend to like the idea of not, not all tools are going to fit each person. If they're willing to learn more than one tool, then they are probably going to be more of a mind that, um, you know, if this one doesn't work, we'll try this one. They're going yes. to be more of a problem solver rather than, oh, I don't understand why this is not working for you. It works for all my other clients. I guess, like sorry, out of luck.
0: Which, was, you know, the worst thing to say to somebody, honestly. Right. <laughs>
1: right. Oh my gosh. Uh, so I, we wouldn't want a practitioner who's doing that. That doesn't mean someone who only knows one system wouldn't be a good one. Um, right. To go with but there's also the uh, which I think we talked about before we started recording um or maybe we did at the beginning but uh the non-clinical versus clinical yes yeah. and, and that we would want especially if you're dealing with postpartum someone who is clinical so these would be my recommendations for helping you find.
0: No, that's really mm. good. And I think, um, you know, and I, I think especially when some usually when somebody's entering therapy or they're in need of something, right? Like, mm-hmm. they're not coming in maybe in their best place, right? right? And so I think we have to be, in my opinion, the practitioners that I have loved working with the most are the ones that are they're confident in what they do. Mm-hmm. But they're humble enough to know and say, like, whatever I see, if I'm not able to help you, I'm going to find somebody that can help you find the modality that can help you. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm aware of my own either clinical or personal limitations. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm, they're not opposed to me asking questions like, have you ever worked with this kind of issue? Um, what -hmm. do you, you know, how would you handle it? If let's say somebody's coming in for panic attacks, right. Because you're Mm -hmm. already in like not a great place when that's Mm -hmm. happening and pretty, um, the flexibility is not there for mistakes right on the part of the practitioner. So for me, if I was coming in for that, or maybe like migraines or something like that, I would want to know that the question I would ask is, okay, if, you know, let's say we get in there cause I'm already probably highly anxious. If I'm coming in for panic attacks, mm-hmm. if this makes things worse, how do you navigate around that? These are all really appropriate questions. I feel yeah. like to ask any practitioner that you're working with. Mm -hmm. Um, And there should be no resistance to the question. A practitioner I find that is resistant to the client really being autonomous and advocating for Mm themselves. It's going to be hard to build trust in that place. And I think- Um, you guys do such a good job with that. I know I had like a million questions mm-hmm. before I started neurofeedback and I have, I mean, I have a history of doing it. I know that it's worked, yeah. but it's a different system mm-hmm. and it's a different problem now. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. um, you guys have been great with that and just answering. Well, and I know, I mean, I know that's who you are. Cause I, I know who you are, but at the same time, I think for the people listening, I want them to hear that too, mm-hmm. that, um, there should be, you know, like you said, that collaboration that happens when you're mm-hmm. working with somebody. So mm-hmm. this was such a fun conversation, Michelle. That's I feel like right. we could talk about this for a really long time. I agree. And, and all <laughs> I love that we talked about the faith mm-hmm. aspect. I'm going to put some of those resources in the show notes for those of you that are listening, mm-hmm. um, how that's informed your work as a therapist, yeah. how you reached out for help for yourself and kind of broke through that shame barrier, um, Mm -hmm. and the different tools that you use. So I will Mm -hmm. also make sure to put in the show notes, how people can contact the clinic, um, if they're needing support and help. Um, there was one, um, what was the organization? We talked about this and I totally forgot to write it down. The postpartum organization
1: that you're a part of Postpartum support international. So I'm not necessarily part of it, but I've taken trainings from them. Um, and they have some great resources online um, that are free or very low cost to support women who are struggling with postpartum mental health of any kind. Um, Amazing. Yeah.
0: Okay. I will put that in there. But thank you so much for taking the time with me today. I'm excited mm-hmm. for the listeners to get to hear from you and hear your, you know, your personal and your professional experience. And I, I really appreciate your time today.